0: This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the batmanuniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat Family at the batmanuniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show.
1: Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan yeah, Jurgens, and you're listening to and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, covering the weeks of May 1st and May 8th for all your Batman comic news and interests. I am Ian, and with me I
0: have... This is Steph.
2: And this is Chris. Um, Sadly, uh, for us, Dustin is on vacation. Uh, We're very happy for him that he's on vacation, but we are sadly rudderless without his wise guidance. Um, We're going to have some truncated uh, sections about news, and then we'll dive into our... In depth reviews of Batman number 70 and Detective Comics number 1003. Then we'll get to Greater Gotham um, and end up with our listener feedback. So, uh, not a ton of news, just three articles on the site uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, The Eisner's were announced. Um, Batman people creators who were honored uh, with the nominations were Tom King. Uh, who writes Batman for uh, Best Writer and for Best Ongoing Series. Uh, Sean Gordon Murphy uh, as Best Writer and Artist on a limited series for White Knight. Uh, Jordi Belair, uh, Tamara Bonvalen Nathan Fairburn, and Matt Hollingsworth, all of whom have worked on Batman Universe titles, were nominated uh, for their work on uh, coloring. Lee Bermejo and Dustin Nguyen, um, Lee was, is working on Batman Damned, and Dustin Nguyen worked on Detective Comics 1000, uh, have been nominated as painter or multimedia artist, Dustin Nguyen for um, Descender with Jeff Lemire at Image. Jared Fletcher and Todd Klein were nominated for Letters. Uh, Joshua Middleton and Julian uh, Tatino Tedesco were nominated for their cover work, uh, both on Batgirl joshua middleton does most of the variants on that run and they are very gorgeous they're they're really beautiful uh julian tatino tedesco did the cover for um the the foil variant of Batgirl, actually the the really beautiful silver and yellow foil variant for um i think october's issue so that's the Eisners. Um, these are similar to the sort of comic Oscars for people who, who don't know. Um, I personally would love it if uh, most of these people won, uh, get some Batman Oscars for <laughs> comics. Uh, our next article is about the new Batman Superman title uh, written by Joshua Williamson, who's currently on Flash and did the, uh, the button crossover and the price crossover with Batman. Um it's uh, going to be illustrated by a former Marvel artist David Marquez who was a heavy collaborator with um, uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis has brought over a lot of artists and writers from Marvel to DC, so that's a pretty cool thing. Uh The Batman Who Laughs and uh, A Secret Six team are going to be playing a big part of the uh, Batman Superman title. Um, Batman Who Laughs. I think Scott Snyder has said is going to sort of flow from his miniseries to this ongoing series. Uh, the Secret Six are not going to be the Gail Simone characters. Actually, I found out that there was a Secret Six in I think the 1970s, uh, and Gail Simone picked that t- uh, the title back up in the 19 sorry the the early 2000s, and so this is a new version of them who are actually either corrupted or persuaded or even perhaps kidnapped or transported by the Batman who laughs uh, their versions of characters that we know and love, but they're going to be evil. Um, and we don't know if they're going to be like evil versions, like the Batman who laughs is an evil version of Batman, or if they're going to be like, if they've joined the team of evil, basically mm-hmm. they, maybe hopefully not, but maybe um, any comments on uh, the, the Batman Superman series that's coming up.
0: What's it going to be called?
2: Batman, Batman Superman, Superman or Batman slash Superman?
0: <laughs> so original.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's sold
1: it, a lot before, uh, sure. so. <laughs> well, for a long-time reader as myself, I am looking forward to it with a little bit of trepidation. But back in the day, I cut my teeth on a title called World's Finest, and that was an easy buy. You know, if I had to try to bribe my dad, hey, can I can I get this book? You know, can can you get this <laughs> one for me? And he'd say, oh, if it's got. Batman and Superman in it? Oh, that's a win, yeah. So that was hands down one of the <laughs> things like that. So I'm looking forward to that. And I, th- I think uh, a book like that, the team-up, is should be good. And I- I'm glad something like that is on the rack. So I- I- I'm-, I'm looking forward to a little trepidation just to see where this goes. Yeah. Get
2: value for money. Have your two favorite characters in one place.
1: Yeah. And with respect to uh, The Secret Six, I'm wondering where this one goes. I think uh, that was the brainchild way back in the day from... Uh, God, I want to say E. Nelson Bridwell, who was just like this uh, masterful knowledge guy who worked in a DC's editorial staff. And uh, this came out, uh, it had a short run uh, in the late 60s. And had some very intriguing covers, and they worked for like an operative called Mockingbird. And you had all these different, uh, various people from different walks of life. Uh, one was like a uh, model, one was an author. And uh, just a uh, very, very uh, different work, different gang of people where there were operatives and i don't think the character mockingbird was ever revealed so i'm wondering if within this carnation we're going to see what happens i i know that uh it did run in actions comic weekly when they did revive it in the late 80s so it'd be interesting to see an updated take on this group that is really interesting like i said i knew there was an older version of this
2: i'm primarily familiar with gail simone's Sort of like a suicide squad esque group of villains, but what you're describing sounds more like a sort of sleeper agent or maybe undercover in normal society. And I think there's, it's going to be interesting to see if they revive someone like Mockingbird, given that Marvel has a Mockingbird character they've been promoting pretty heavily over the last five years.
1: Yes. And I did like Gail's take on it. I, I am a fan of Gail's, but, you know, when she had all these other uh, costumed characters running around, it, it did deviate a little bit from what i was familiar with nonetheless though i i always enjoyed the premise of this particular group and the title
2: yeah i think i think this will be interesting i think uh it's a good idea to put a new twist on old ideas um i guess we'll just have to wait and see i mean lots of stuff coming up um and i'm sure we'll talk it around the comic cast
0: do you think this will replace the um the um suicide squad hole are they still going to reboot suicide squad
2: I think the Suicide Squad brand is too hot for them to Mm. replace it like this. Um, I don't know what their long-term plans are for that brand, though. So the next news article we have is that the Batman Who Laughs miniseries is adding a seventh issue. So originally it was solicited to have six issues. Um, This brings the total of issues that are part of this direct series up to eight with the Grim Knight one-shot by... James Tynan IV, and Edward Rizzo. Um, that really functions as a, a chapter in the story. It's pretty direct. It's not really a spinoff. Um, and so I would fully expect um, the seven issues to be packaged with that eighth RIM Knight issue in the trade collection. Um, last thing is we have a great article about Dick Grayson as Batman by Colin on the website. So please go check that out if you're interested. As a big fan of Dick Grayson as Batman, I would definitely recommend it. Colin does a great job. With that, we're going to move to our in-depth reviews. Uh, Apologies for not being quite as detailed as Dustin, but you do what you can. So, Batman number 70, writer Tom King, artist... um, Actually, two artists. It's going to be uh, Mikhail Janine and Jorge Fornes. Uh, the issue opens with Maxi Zeus reciting a poem as Bla- Batman flashes through the various nightmares that he was subjected to before ripping himself free of the vices that were holding him prisoner. Batman is confronted by the Riddler, who offers to explain to him what is going on if he answers his riddle. Batman drives his knee into the Riddler's face and walks past him as he answers Nigma's riddle. Batman then comes across Calendar Man, who offers no fight, and simply mimes shooting himself into the head as he remarks that Batman and Bane are locked in an unending cycle. Batman then faces off against various villains such as Killer Croc, Hush, and Mad Hatter as he shouts to Bane, mocking Bane's failed attempt at breaking him, screaming that he can't be broken with nightmares because Batman is the Nightmare. Batman then runs across Mr. Freeze and takes him down as Freeze struggles to get out a single word. Meanwhile, the ventriloquist updates an off-panel Bane on Batman's progress in escaping, which seems to please Bane. Batman next runs across Scarecrow, who appears dumbfounded on the lack of effect his gas is having on Batman. As Batman takes him down, Batman next faces a tag team of Solomon Grundy and Amygdala, cracking his knuckles and going to work as the next panel shows Batman getting to his feet, laughing as both heavyweights are put down for the count. Batman then finds Two-Face, who he gives a message to send to Bane that he will return with his army to speak with Bane before Batman escapes from Arkham Asylum, as Zeus finishes his poem with the words, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. So, um, we are out of the nightmares. I think the first thing I want to bring up is that this issue is a literal reversal of the gauntlet that Batman set up for Bane in the penultimate issue of the I Am Bane arc, way back three years ago. Uh did that strike you guys? Did you think that was interesting or do you think it was just a rehash?
0: Hmm. I thought it was interesting. It's I mean, you know, we've this whole run has been parallels and um contrasts and so I wonder I don't know what he's trying to say. Um, the fall and the fallen is the title. Wonder if they're related somehow? Because he's he's getting up in this one, right? He's he's not falling in this one, so it's a strange title that when Batman is working his way out and up of Arkham.
2: Well, I think I think that's a really good point. Um, the the motion seems to be upwards, but. Is it really? Has Batman really won? I mean, we know that. We know what's right. coming. We know that City of Bane is coming. So Batman's not
0: going to mm-hmm. win this.
1: Chris, what do you think? Yeah. You know, I want to give props to King, though, with the way he laid it out. And Ian, great observation from your part with respect to the layout of the gauntlet. I don't know if it necessarily was a rehash or more or less King just reminding us of a place where we've been before, and I, I kind of took it that way. Uh, one of the things I've seen online, though, was just the debate of uh, having taking out uh, Amendola and uh, Solomon Grundy so easily. I, I kind of gave it a pass just for the way it was played out, you know, and just for the construct of the mm-hmm. story in the gauntlet. One of the things, though, I do want to mention, I I am not a fan of the Wesker ventriloquist, but in one page, one single page, King manages to convey just the wickedness of this character. You have this nine-panel page grid of Wesker's face, and he's doing various expressions. But in the final panel, you show him with this self-satisfying smile and this just wicked evil grin. So I I really like the way it was constructed.
2: That's an excellent point. I love the way that King has sort of delved into an unexpected side of Wesker. You saw that in um, I Am Suicide when he was part of Batman's team to take down Bane. But now we know that Wesker was probably working with Bane the whole time. And so that takes a new sinister meaning. And I love, as, as Chris points out, there's just that subtlety of expression. I think it's Janine who drew that um, that page of of Wesker talking to Bane and he, he does some really great acting um, showing the dark side of, of Wesker himself, not of the Scarface persona that we usually associate with the evil. It is kind of unnerving, sort of like seeing Harvey Dent be evil instead of the two face persona Um, in terms of uh, you mentioned the amygdala versus um, who's the other guy. Solomon Grundy? Yes. uh, Amygdala versus Grundy fight. I I actually read that as Batman ducked and let them punch each other. Um, Maybe that's a little (laughs) too comedic, but that's how I read that. I thought it was kind of fun.
0: So do you not think that his laughing is a little insanity driven? Because Batman doesn't laugh.
2: I think it's very insanity driven. Batman has been driven to his breaking point in here. And that, I think, is the purpose of the parallels. Um, as you said, there's been so many parallels in I am Bane and I am suicide between Batman and Bane. I think that what he's saying through these parallels is that Batman and Bane are both responses to trauma. And they are traumatizing mm-hmm. each other as a result of that. So the question's going to be, how can Batman be a hero when he's doing the same things as Bane? And I think we're going to have an answer. I mean... I, I have faith that King is going to bring us to an interesting and heroic and thoughtful place with Batman. But he, he's broken Batman down to a place where he's really not that heroic right now.
1: William, I agree. And, you know, mm-hmm. we have a little bit of... Uh, from the onset, i got to give props to King. And he made me do a little bit of homework on this because uh, I was unfamiliar <laughs> with the opening line and my dad would have chastised me because he was an English major and he was huge into poetry. But we've got William Blake's... Uh, the argument, which was a portion from uh, a piece called "The Marriage of Heaven and Hell," and I really think Bayman's just towing that line, and it just with the, with the contrast of of where we're at and at, when we get to this breaking point, it, it's very, very, very striking, and it was really told in such a way that I, I missed the analysis or the the, the the context of which that poem was out there. Then after rereading it again, oh my god, it hit me. And I thought, yeah. The, and then to hear you come about it with your points on that just really crystallized it. And I, I really commend you for just being spot on with that uh, analysis.
2: Aw, oh, thanks. Um, so last question <laughs> for, for Batman, unless of course you guys have other questions, is going to be some people have complained that there's only one thing that happens. Batman gets out of Arkham. But, I mean, most Batman comics have fairly minimal, like, stuff accomplished. Batman stops some criminals. Batman fights a villain. Batman finds a clue. To me, there's so much detail and humor and emotion packed into each of the encounters. I mean, his, his mind game with Mr. Freeze, the, the, panel, the panels that Chris highlighted about uh, the ventriloquist, there's, there's a lot of stuff packed in. Even if you tried to summarize this, you could say one sentence. Batman gets out of Arkham, but there's enjoyment, there's satisfaction in seeing a well done sequence of fight scenes that each reveal a bit of character. D- did this issue work for you guys as a satisfying issue, or did you think it was stretched out or or filler?
0: I thought maybe a couple of them were filler. Um, which one? The the Calendar Man was a little pointless, but I did I did enjoy most most of the interactions and just. I think it's slow, like it's, it's now that we've seen, you know, Batman's nightmares and what's going on inside, you know, how is he now responding to that? And so this, I think, lays out in a lot of different settings really quickly, how, how he's reacting to certain conflict, because he doesn't react to everyone the same at all. Um, each one he does differently i think that's just really showing you know where his mind is. he's he's still sharp he's still able to assess the situation and fight appropriately but he is losing his mind a little bit
1: <laughs> well for me i can definitely see the argument uh this is this has been done before hasn't it of course and we've seen it before but if you ask me and you know did i was i satisfied with how it was executed and did i enjoy it yes i did and I did get a little lost. I, to be fair, there was a two-page se- there was a two-page sequence where I did get a little lost where Batman's fighting in the shadows, and I don't know if I was reading it in poor lighting, what have you, but I, I really couldn't tell who was who. It looked like uh, Batman was punching Zaz, but I couldn't be sure until I had to like squint my eyes and see the scars on his body. Uh, the Man Bat thing was a little murky. I, I was a little sure who was uh, he fighting in some places, but Ian, I think you to track it back a few steps, just with the way each end a sequence played out, I think is what really highlighted it. And we did have the break in art when we go from uh, uh, Janet to Fornace, you know, with respect to, I think, the Two-Face sequence, which I thought was masterfully paid out. It looked a little bit like Dave Kelly to me in little spots. I don't know why, but just when we had a panels with uh, half of Harvey's face and then the other half with uh, you know, Denon's face, you know, the, the the good, the evil, and just how that would resonated with me. That really, really was masterful stroke. I thought it kind of built to a crescendo, if you will. And then we finally gave the reader a break and a respite with the poetry you know now now we're going through the gates of hell self- satisfying conclusion and I th- really was a little tentative as we got along to it, but I felt more engrossed with each page of the turn of the page on that one
0: it is a little funny yeah, I'd agree. it is a little funny that the crescendo at the end is I'm gonna go take a nap <laughs> and then I'm coming back
2: yes. <laughs> I mean he deserves a nap he around all really those does. nightmares. <laughs> Um, But I I completely agree. I think that this was a very well-done issue. I mean, every issue has its flaws. I, I personally don't think I've ever given a five in my reviews. But I think this was a really good issue, very satisfying. A real change of pace, of course, from the nightmares of, you know, the... I mean, it was seven issues of, you know, just exploring Batman's psyche. Now Batman's punching things again, <laughs> and it's it's nice. Um, I think that the art during the Two-Face scene was actually Jorge Fornes, who really does have that Mazzucchelli style. Um, And I'm so glad that he was able to continue working with King after he just did some masterful issues uh, during the Nightmare sequence. And he also did some really fun fill-in stuff for the Heroes in Crisis miniseries with Tom King. So let's get to our ratings. Um, Batman, uh, number 70. Uh, over on the website, uh, Paul gave it a 4 out of 5. Um, I would agree. I'm going to give this a 4 out of 5 as well. What about you, Steph?
0: Yeah, I, I, like, I like the way the art was used. And, you know, it, I know sometimes we say, you know, multiple artists bother us. But I really wasn't thrown off by it and really liked the layout and just Batman's progression. Even though, you know, you can summarize it so shortly, I agree, 4, four out of 5.
1: Well, I hate to like I'm looking on somebody else's paper to copy and cheat what their scores were. But I literally, if you want me to take a picture of the score I wrote down, yes, I had a four out of five before we came on the air. I'm not I am not doing this to copy anybody or or to Paul on the website. But four out of five is what I had, and I, I did like the calendar line man, uh, calendar line, calendar man line sequence where he said same bad time, same bad channel. Hey, that resonated with me as, a, as an older fan. That was awesome. uh, But yeah, King. Yeah, when he made you know when he when he do, does a deep dive in the poetry and he makes me do a little bit of research, uh, I felt like I really got a lot out of my money. Ian, uh, you know, and we I know you mentioned you, you were you know the thought crossed your mind where you were going to maybe give this a perfect score and maybe at some point I, I'd be curious as to see what what sort of criteria you or Steph have as to what you would consider a masterpiece with respect to scoring and that, maybe that's a topic for another show. But yeah, I mean, I could touch on that really
2: briefly. Yeah, so for me, a masterpiece, um, I don't think I've ever seen a flawless comic, even something like Year One or The Black Mirror um, by Miller and then by Snyder are the closest, I think I would say, to a masterpiece. And I think there's still a few things that I could say I don't quite land for me. But the the overall impact of an issue has to be intensely powerful. I have to, to really have been wrung out um, either in a sad or a happy way for something to be a masterpiece I would say that King has written uh, a masterpiece in both Omega Man and Vision and I really hope that he can pull that off with Batman as well I want him to take me on a journey that I, I don't get elsewhere uh, uh, an emotional and mental experience that challenges me in, in an unusual way in a powerful way so that to me would be a masterpiece
0: I'm I'm still looking. I'm still trying to figure out what what it is to me. But I agree. Like, a really good book, you know, I feel emotionally exhausted by the end. And... Or, or the art has to just you know sweep you off your feet, and you just feel like you've never had anything like that. Or if it ended with a batcat wedding, I would give that a five. <laughs> <laughs> just as a general standard.
1: Are you listening, Tom King? <laughs> I, I think as critics, sometimes though we get taken to the mat because a, a lot of people that that our critics do do hand out the perfect score a little with, with a little bit of trifle and a little bit of. Uh, pulling it out like you know just randing it off without any random without any basis or any thought behind it and i got to commend you both for for You know, setting your standards and setting the bar high. Uh, The last thing I would consider a masterpiece was probably uh, *King's Batman* Annual Number Two, with with the Batman and Catwoman story with Selina, and I thought that was very touching. Uh, Very few have come along uh, in 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 my reading that I would have to elevate that bar high. Uh, Alan Moore's *Superman*, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, would certainly be one of those stories where where it it hit those beats. And Ian, I. The thoughts that you had out there with what it does, how it touches you, how it moves you emotionally, all of those things came into play. And, Stephanie, yeah, it's one of those things where you know it if you see it, and and you will read it, and it it has that resonance that stays with you. So, yeah. Hey, guys, we're good. (laughs) Okay. So,
2: um, I think that gives us uh, uh, an easy average of a 4 out of 5 for this issue. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for not making me do math. Um, All right, let's move on to Detective Comics number 1003.
0: Under a pyro bay, Batman finds Damien's scuba gear and remnants of the day bomb that went off in Gotham. After returning to the Batmobile, Batman radios Alfred and tells him the day bomb radiation spiked across Gotham's waterfront. He asks Alfred if there is any update on Damien. Alfred tells him he's plugged into all CCTV cameras and he still cannot find him. He asks if this is one of those times where Damien decided to go dark. Batman responds, this time feels different. There is something wrong. With her mask off, the Arkham Knight reveals her identity to Damien. She tells him the only way to build trust is to reveal herself and to be honest. Damien still does not know who she is, nor does he care to find out. However, she cares. Since she cares, she cannot stand idly by and see Damien being placed in danger because of his association with Batman. Damien tells her that her words are hollow because of all of her followers' arrows are pointed at him. She commands them to lower the weapons. They question her because Damien broke the collarbone of one of the followers and the back of another. She reiterates that they lower their weapons. One of them refuses her order and shoots an arrow through Damien's shoulder. In response to her followers' disobedience, she cuts off their arm. Damien uses this situation as a distraction and grabs a bow. He takes the arrow out of his shoulder and readies it on the bow the arkham knight again tells her followers to load their weapons she tells damien he can leave he asks why and she tells him it is a measure of good faith this is a gesture for him to remember when the eclipse comes batman asks alfred if the drones have given him any more clues alfred tells him that their efforts have been unsuccessful batman tells him to call off the search for he knows where damien is damien hijacked the bat signal and displayed his robin logo instead Batman tells Damien he is impressed with his creativity, and also he is concerned with the shoulder wound. He tells Batman it is a flesh wound and is no big issue. Damien tells Batman he was ambushed by the knights Batman faced in the park. Batman asks how he escaped her, and Damien asks how he could possibly have known that the Arkham Knight was a woman. Batman says he watched the videos of their fight that were posted on social media. Based on her movements and reactions, he deduced that Arkham Knight was a woman. Batman asks Damien how he knew. He tells Batman that she revealed herself to him. She took off her helmet to build trust. All he could determine were general features and age range, nothing specific, which could be used to identify her. Damien says she let him escape and and is why he is at the bat signal. He wanted to be sure he did not place a tracker on him. Batman tells him there is no tracker, but asks where he escaped from. Damien says he escaped from Arkham back at the back cave Damien draws a portrait of her face Bruce comments at how talented of an artist Damien is Bruce says he does not recognize who she is and hopefully his facial recognition program can due to her followers weaponry he has an updated he has updated their suits to counteract their weapons to travel to the gartham knight's base they will need to travel through gartham sewers fortunately bruce already has a vehicle for this situation damien asks to drive the submersible through the sewers and bruce reluctantly agrees the arkham knight tells her to follow her followers that they have chosen to embark on this crusade of their own free will knowing this journey would demand their complete loyalty and service they would do whatever it took to bring about the eclipse Sacrifices will need to be made. Vows were promised and edicts to be followed. She tells Dr. Phosphorus to exit his cell and come forward. He tells her he is quite satisfied with his cell, but she assures him that there would be no judgment for him today. The two followers who ignored the Arkham's earlier commands kneel before her and Dr. Phosphorus. She has cast her judgment and she judges these sinners. Dr. Phosphorus kills both of them. She tells her followers that the symbols on their backs and armor are not just for show. They are rays of hope for the hopeless. She tells them to take this moment as soon the city will be bathed in light. The next stage of the eclipse starts now. Racing through the sewers, Batman and Robin arrive at the Arkham Knight's base, only to find her and her followers have left. Dr. Arkham comes out of the shadows and tells them these followers will follow his daughter, Astrid Arkham, to the end of the earth.
2: Okay, so here's uh, another issue by Peter Tomasi and artist Brad Walker. Um, first and probably biggest question is, we now know who the Arkham Knight is. Uh, we had all these theories about how it was a clone of Damien or a clone of Bruce or an alternate universe, Jason Todd. It is none of those things. It is <laughs> Jeremiah Arkham's daughter, Astrid. What do you think of this choice?
0: Well, even though she's a new character, like obviously like Damien and Bruce have never even heard of her, she is someone that realistically could exist and, and have a front row seat of all the quote unquote damage that Batman does. So I think that's, it's okay. It's, it makes sense. Sort of.
1: Well, that's literally the question I had that I was going to address to both of you. I, I don't know if you guys were sitting down when you got the, when you were reading this. And you think, I, mean, I asked her at Arkham. I, I wondered if it was not so much the reveal or were you disappointed by the reveal as not so much with respect to the who. Uh, a few of the comments that I had were... Uh, I'll just throw this out there. Do you think it's possibly the least bit conceivable that this character might have a multiple identity thing going on? I hope not. I hope we see this this is the only person behind the mask. Uh, did I think this was a cheat in any sense? Mm, I don't know. I, I really didn't have uh, a, a prediction going into this. I, I just wanted to see it played out. I, I did like that the the character was a female. I did like it was a, somebody new that we haven't seen before. That said, it didn't necessarily take something out of the uh, Marvel playbook, if you will, because I, I don't know if it had any shock or resonance because this did not have Anybody that we've seen before, you know, when uh, back in the day where you had Marvel characters and you had a villain where you tried to guess the identity uh, with respect to Hobgoblin, well, it was somebody in Spider-Man's past, so you had a connection there, and there there was a little bit of uh, playing to the reveal. They they didn't necessarily cheat, but it did have a, a shock identity, you know, and they we did get a tease of it being one character, then it and ultimately being somebody else. Uh, Stiggy Vinglehart wrote a story in Captain America where uh, there was a group called the Secret Empire, and it turned out the villain behind the Secret Empire. Turned out to be Richard Nixon, of all people, you know. So, you, you know, they they did have the shock value there. So you you really got uh, some some kind of emotional uh, feel when you when you had this. I don't know if it had the weight, but nonetheless, I bought it. But I, I don't know if I necessarily liked it. Ian, what say you? Well, I think that if I were approaching writing
2: Arkham Knight myself, I think and Arkham makes sense. I think a new Arkham feels too much like it, it's, it runs the risk of, of the hush issue. Um, now Jeff Loeb did a lot of work trying to establish Tommy Elliot as uh, a force in Bruce's life. Uh, spoilers, by the way, for hush, I know it's a movie that's coming out, but the comics been out since 2004 guys. Um, so Tommy yeah, Elliot, I appreciate you putting that out there, Ian. <laughs> um, the the comics uh presents tommy elliott first and so it tries to build our connection to tommy but honestly he gets killed in about two issues so there's not really that same sense um as with uh you know if you know say alfred or you know jason todd is a great example of of a character who you know you had a previous connection with and then they they believably gave him reasons to become a villain um However, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about uh, the origin of Two-Face and how that was presented. Um, The Long Halloween actually does a good job of giving us a Harvey Dent to become attached to before he becomes Two-Face. But I think probably with a lot of these classic villains, his origin was likely one issue, similar to um, a lot of these characters. uh, Like I'm sure we'll get a flashback for Astrid's backstory eventually, but it feels a little too much like the villain from Brian Hill's Detective Comics arc where you know they say it has this background and stuff, but it's kind of just sprung on you, and we don't have any uh, attachment or, or fear of them specifically. So it's really going to depend on how they behave in the comic. Astrid in this issue and the last few issues has mostly behaved like a fanatical cult leaguer, and I don't find that terribly interesting in a villain um it certainly makes her violent and really nasty where she kills her own people for disobeying her very darth vader-ish but i don't i don't find that interesting because we don't really know why i mean in the detective comics 1000 special we saw that the ark of night thinks that they are righteous that batman is a quote unquote bad man but i don't I don't get a sense of why they want to do good by dressing up as a knight and leading a fanatical cult of killers. Uh, we also don't get an answer to how she knows what kind of arrows to use to shoot through the batsuit. Um, the, the reveal of her identity doesn't really give us that answer. So I'm, I'm still very sort of unconvinced on this reveal, um, but I'm, I'm willing to go forward and see what happens next.
0: So... Chris might appreciate this, but I've been rereading through Cattails by the magnificent Chris D. And one of her characters that she focuses on is Dr. Bartholomew, who works at Arkham. And in one of the chapters, it's made known that um, Dr. Bartholomew is in hate with Batman. Because he's the guy that keeps sending all the inmates to Arkham and makes his job harder. So, having that recently in my mind, reading Astrid... I can kind of maybe see how she's lost her mind. Like, she's probably been around Arkham her whole life. Her dad probably comes home and unloads about all the crap that he does at work and all the crazies that Batman keeps sending and how, you know, arguably Batman may be making things worse. You know, this is the guy that gets inside the heads of the inmates and he needs to probably unload somewhere and he possibly did it at home. I, I can... I can have a little more sympathy for this unknown character of Astrid, um, understanding that she's the daughter of, of the head of Arkham's Arkham. So, again, you're right. It doesn't make sense that a cult leading would do it. But to be honest, like a whole bunch of people have tried to stop Batman in a whole bunch of different ways. Maybe she's just trying something a little more rigid with less room for failure.
1: <laughs> Steph, great, great, great analogy. And uh, Chris will certainly appreciate the plug. Uh, you made her day. Uh, one thing, I, I think that's an excellent point, but one of the questions I had for the group, if you don't mind, did you buy Arkham Knight's, quote, act of good faith by letting Damien go? Did, do you think there was a motive behind it? Did you buy this action that she did, or you just did you just accept it at face value?
0: Hmm. Trying to think from, like, a writing standpoint or a story standpoint, because... I feel like Damien is used a lot. Like, it seems like Damien is in the gray a lot that people try to to lure him over. Um, But from the story standpoint, it seems like if what she wants to do is to do what's right, she might see in Damien a rebellion against Batman, and possibly fertile ground to convert someone. So I think Damien always is kind of, not the punching bag, but the fertile ground <laughs> for for people to pick on. And I think it's decently realistic because they don't know Damien's heart. They don't know his virtues. They don't know his his desires to, to please his father in his own way. So I don't, I think, I I, I usually buy it when people are trying to convert Damien. I
2: Was Actually, that was my next question, so thanks for transitioning (laughs) organically. (laughs) No, that's perfect. It means I don't have to do it. Dustin has mentioned that this is a very similar art to um, the original Born to Kill, which was retitled Bad Blood um, in the Batman and Robin run by Tomasi and Gleason in the New 52, in which Morgan Ducard, the son of uh, Henri Ducard, one of Batman's teachers— tries to seduce Damien, and in fact, Damien does kill, but he kills Ducard instead of criminals, as Ducard tries to get him. I think that Tomasi did a much better job with Ducard because there's that connection with Batman's training, so there's that sense that there really is something Damien could learn from someone who was trained by the same person as Batman. Again, this gets back to the fact that we just don't know enough about astrid's backstory about her training and especially about her motivations she says she wants to fight batman to me um i don't see damien really being seduced by fighting batman especially after three years i mean in universe years of being devoted to his father's cause even when he finds it hard to follow as we saw in the terminus contract recently Damien's committed to trying to be a hero. Um, He's not going to fight Batman, not just because Batman's a hero, but because he's his father. Um, And Astrid, I mean, he looks at her and along with us, he says, who are you? Why should (laughs) I follow you? Um, I think it wasn't an offer that made a lot of sense to us as a reader or to Damien as a character, although it's kind of a nice contrast or, or parallel um, to Tomasi's earlier work with
1: Damien and uh, Morgan Descartes,
0: what did you think, Chris? I, I just,
1: I just don't know how I took it. I, I, I thought that was. Mm, <sighs> I, I thought there should be a little bit more of uh, stakes involved. You know, you better remember this because I, I for for whatever reason, I, I, you know, this you, you can uh, tender a favor back to me, what have you. But she does say, uh, I did reread it, and she does say, uh, this is a gesture. I want you to remember it for when the eclipse com- comes. Maybe there will be something more involved here with respect to this thing. I, I just thought it was a little weak, and we knew Batman, or Robin had to, Damian had to get back to Batman some way, somehow, but instead of him rescuing him, well, she just lets him go. So, hey, maybe it was something different. Okay, I'll I'll take it. Okay. So, let's do our ratings. On the site, Tony gave this a three
2: out of five bats. Uh, Out of five, yep. Um, Steph, what's your rating?
0: I think three, three. Two and a half I usually give to things I don't enjoy that much, and I enjoyed this a little bit. So, three. I did love the banter between batman and robin a lot
1: it was nice to see them working together again yeah what's your rating chris well Steph, i had that same thing in my notes that's the last line i had was the action and the byplay play <laughs> that batman and robin had with that I, I thought it was very very clever one thing i will have to put out there i, I am really curious as to just the general consensus of opinion if s- people were disappointed uh, that the reveal wasn't someone we had seen previously? Did did they feel cheated in any way? For me, I, I wasn't. I, I am glad it was an original character. I really liked uh, hearing everyone's thoughts and opinions with respect as to who this could be, and, and I hope they aren't necessarily let down. Again, I hope this is the only identity of, of this character. We, we did say that they, they knew it was a woman, so hopefully it's only going to be Astrid. Nobody else is going to be behind the mask. You know, I had a real vibe of reading a 70s Marvel comic book with this, and I I, I tried to ask myself how or why I felt this way. Was it because that we had a villain whose identity wasn't revealed? And did the previous issue end on a cliffhanger? And did we have a fast-paced story with really uh, great depictions of action and facial recognition yes we had all that there i i really dug it and i am gonna say three and a half out of five is where i'm gonna land on this okay um
2: i'm gonna say a two out of five this i i am still a little too frustrated with the lack of motivation for just the intensity of the arkham knight uh, of astrid Uh, i don't Feel she she just seems a little too mustache twirling, and I don't find that terribly interesting. <laughs> so for me, it's a two point five. Um, I thought the art by Brad Walker was very polished. Um, I, I thought Tomasi did, as as we said, really good job of seeing Batman and Robin together again. Um, but I mean, as for me, it, it just had a little too many things to to keep it from being uh, a full three. So two out of five for me which brings the total score to a three out of five uh, bats and let's move to our Greater Gotham So, uh, for Wednesday, uh, the 1st of May, we had uh, Batman, number 70, as our main TBU book. We've already covered that. We also had Harley Quinn, number 61, uh, over on the website. David gave that a 3.5. Our secondary TBU books were Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 3. Sorry, the third series, issue number 1, by James Tynan and uh, Freddie Williams, Adil on the website gave it a 4 out of 5. We also had Under the Moon, A Catwoman Tale, which was a DC Inc. young adult graphic novel. Um, The Greater DC Universe, we had Adventures of the Supersons, number 10. Bill gave that a 3 out of 5. Deceased, number 1. Tony gave that a 3.5 out of 5. Deathstroke, number 43. I gave that a 4 out of (laughs) 5. Justice League, number 23. Andy gave that a 3.5 out of 5. Uh, young Justice, number 5. Jessica gave that a 3.5 out of 5. Uh, for Wednesday, the 8th of May, the main TBU book, books were uh, Detective Comics number 1003, which we've just covered. Batman the Outsiders, number 1, uh, in which Batman gives the Outsiders their first mission. Meanwhile, a young girl is on the run, but may be getting help from an unforeseen source. Adil gave this a four out of five. Uh, That was by Brian Hill, illustrations by Dexter Soy. Catwoman number 11, written by uh, Joelle Jones, illustrated by Ferdando Blanco. Catwoman chases a security vehicle in order to rescue Carlos, while Mrs. Creel uses her new weaponized son to blackmail her oldest. Jessica gave this a three out of five. Red Hood Outlaw number 34 by Scott Lobdell and Pete Woods. Jason Todd cleans house and deals with Penguin's illegal past, while his own past starts piling up on him. Sebastian gave this a 4 out of 5. The Batman Who Laughs number 5 by Scott Snyder and Jock. Um, Has Batman gone too far in his quest to stop the Batman Who Laughs? Tony gave this a 4.5 out of 5. There were no secondary TBU or DC Universe books for the week of May 8th. So, uh, let's get to Spotlight's
1: well real quick off the board uh, i i will say i'm digging wonder twins uh i think it's a fun book but uh that said i i did I was so eager to pick up Batman and the Outsiders. This is a book I remember the original incarnation of this team with uh, Geoforce and Halo in the group. Uh, <laughs> came, the first issue, if, I, if memory serves me right, came out the same time John Byrne put out Alpha Flight. Two two team books, one from the, each of the big two coming out the same day. It was just a crazy, crazy uh, time back in uh, when that happened. I really... Dug the artwork, and I really like that we still have some cohesiveness of the team. Not with the necessarily original lineup, but that's okay. I am glad that we we do have Cassandra here with respect to this. Signal is actually doing something. How about that? I you know take that as you will. One of the things I, I was a little. Queasy about as I was going through this, though, is is the uh, Jefferson's the leader of the team, and he's questioning Bruce already out of the gate, saying, "You know, hey, I don't know if I'm up to this. I think we've already been down that road before. So I, I just hope going forward we 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 move past that and we get a lot of uh, teamwork action and a lot of characters getting the spotlight. I really wonder what happened to some of the other core group. I hopefully we haven't seen the last of them. I don't know what this incarnation. Uh, post-rebirth that we have, if uh, Halo or Geoforce and those guys are still around. But I am glad that this title is back on the rack, and it's been a long time coming.
2: Yeah, I actually really enjoyed uh, this incarnation of The Outsiders. My only experience with Batman and The Outsiders is actually the Chuck Dixon run from 2007. Uh, And that had an unusual lineup as well. We started with Catwoman, although she left early you had Katana, but you also had Cassandra Kane, who was a new addition to the team. Geoforce joined later. You had Thunder, who was actually Black Lightning's daughter. I don't think that's current continuity, but she was at the time. Uh, and Grace Choi in Amazon, who was uh, Thunder's girlfriend. Um, this lineup is a little more spare, although I think it's clear that uh, the girl on the run is Halo, um, or a version of Halo, since she's very similar to the animated version that we just saw on Young Justice Season 3, if you're a DC Universe subscriber. Um, I, I really enjoy the way that uh, Hill writes in general. Uh, Chris has brought up uh, a couple of concerns about characterization. Um, I, I look at this, and you've got Peter Tomasi writing sort of a much more bluff and, and Batman, whereas Tom King's writing a much more silent and, uh, sort of poetic Batman. Um, so I think that the various voices are, are kind of cool. Um, Uh, I really like the way he's focusing on Duke. I've I've struggled to sort of get to know Duke as a character. I think I've read everything he's been in, but I haven't been able to really connect to him. He's always been the least interesting part of every series he's in for me. Uh, In We Are Robin, I was always more interested in the other We Are Robins. In Batman and the Signal, I was much more interested in uh, the former characters from We Are Robin, Rico and Izzy, and the new cop character that was his partner. Um, in all-star Batman, uh, I thought most of the other characters were much more interesting. And when he was a character in Scott Snyder's run on Batman, I always thought that he was just really kind of a generic, uh, viewpoint character. He didn't really seem to have uh, a personality out of being outside of being really smart. So seeing him here struggling with PTSD after he was blown up by the karma villain, um, I thought that gave him a struggle, which I found interesting. Um, especially when you combine that with his struggle about his parents being Jokerized during Endgame so I'm looking forward to this series I I wonder if my expectations were actually sort of lowered by just how long we had to wait and so I wasn't quite as let (laughs) down Um, I don't think this is by any means like a a slam dunk or a home run but this is a a really nice setup, it feels like a nice pilot to a TV show as uh, Brian Hill's a TV writer Um, So I I enjoyed it a lot. I thought the art was great. Um, So I'm glad you brought up those issues. They are definite issues, but for me, they didn't really hold me back that much.
1: Excellent. I always like your taking, and I always like Steph's take. It's so (laughs) so fun to be in the same room with you guys in in a virtual (laughs)
2: sense. Well, same to you. I really enjoy the research you've brought. uh... (laughs) Um, So I'm actually – I want to highlight, uh, of course, uh, Young Justice, uh, number five, uh, it, it heavily featured... Any particular reason, Ian?
1: Oh, you know,
2: <laughs> uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't...
0: I didn't see any scenes in there that reminded me of anything that I, you'd like. I don't all. know what it in, is. Anyway. Uh, oh, that's
2: right. <laughs> There's a spoiler in it. <laughs> um, so So I've been wondering for the last year what Stephanie Brown and Tim Drake have been up to. And I think that Brian Bendis does a really great job of picking up where Detective Comics number 981 left off, where they were driving off uh, to discover what happened with Brother Eye's alternate future. And um, this answered those questions. We had Zatanna revealing hidden memories. We had Tim and Stephanie dating and uh, really affirming their affection for each other. There was a really touching scene at the end where they... Uh, promised to meet up and you know tim's in an alternate universe so we don't know if he'll be able to do that but uh i thought it was very touching the art was by chris anka another marvel artist i thought was extremely gorgeous uh just the the smooth lines and really appealing faces and acting that he's great at um there's the the ongoing storyline during the gem world drawn by john Timms that was very kinetic and uh the, the action was very fun and it's sort of playing with the idea of the crisis and Dark Lord Opal is revealed to have reality bending powers but you know I was really here for the Tim and Stephanie parts
0: <laughs> um, I liked it because I think we got more information about what the heck is happening in this one issue than we have in the entirety of Doomsday Club. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this, this answered more questions... I mean, there's more questions now than there were before, but this answered more questions I had than, than I've ever gotten from Doomsday.
2: That's a really good point. I like the fact that Brian Bendis has this idea of something's going on with continuity. We have Tim calling himself Robin, Stephanie's trying to figure out, you know, how her past as Batgirl fits into her memories because she doesn't remember it, but she still knows that she was. Um, and this idea that someone's hidden it and that Zatanna's unlocked those memories for Tim i think it's really cool and i look forward to that i think bendis is going to pay that off long term i hope that the series remains uh, a favorite of people so that we can see that story played out
0: do you think bendis is following not a script but like a reboot guideline or do you think they're thinking screw it it's been too long no one cares anymore just go with it and let bendis do whatever he wants to do
2: given the fact that they've given bendis eight ongoing titles i think he <laughs> can do what he wants <laughs> Um, I do want to actually I know I'm, I'm cheating because I've already highlighted one but I'm going to highlight um, a personal thing for me uh, this was my last review of Deathstroke for the site because it's no longer conne- going to be connected to the Batman universe and for anyone who's on the fence uh, I really recommend picking up Christopher Priest's Deathstroke run, the trades are a great way to read it because it's really a long um, complicated story with individual struggles that are resolved and then build into other struggles it really delves into moral issues this terminus agenda crossover with the teen titans has been really good it's really explored damien's struggle as a hero i think in a way you don't often see i mean we always see damien being a jerk but here we see that he's really tried to be a hero but he's coming from such a place of trauma and violence with his mother talia that it's it's left him with these these plans that are just not something that you can feasibly do as a hero. And it was beautifully illustrated by Bernard Chang in the Teen Titans issues and Carlo Pagulian in the Deathstroke issues and written so well by Christopher Priest and the Teen Titans writer Adam Glass. I highly recommend that crossover and, of course, the rest of the run. And I hope that anyone who's listening will keep reading, even though we're no longer going be, to be covering it on the website.
1: Well, you know, I concur with your opinion. I, I have to confess... This wasn't at the top of my stack with with uh, Deathstroke, but I, I gotta say I've always been continuously entertained by this title and I, I it's I've gotten a little bit more than my money's worth and a little more than I expected with respect to it. And I've I've really enjoyed it and uh shout out to you for uh giving this book a nice uh boost.
2: <laughs>
1: well that's what we do here on the comics podcast. We try and get people to buy comics.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get to our listener feedback, I want to extend the invitation for anyone who's listening to join our Patreon. Uh, we have many different levels. Uh, some are really easy. Uh, the $3 level where you can get the uh, TBU Raws and our extra reviews. Uh, my fellow staff member, Paul, and I just started a new uh, Patreon podcast for the the website called the TBU Cold Case. We're covering older, um, as in between 1986 and 2011 Batman comics. Uh, the first episode for may has been made available. And our second episode is going to be, uh, very on brand for me. It's about the first appearance of Stephanie Brown in 1992. (laughs) Um, so look forward to that in June and we're going to keep going with this. I really, I really appreciate Paul's insights and I definitely think that's worth, uh, the support to get our, 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 podcast, Uh, at the $3 level. We also have the $10 level and I think the $20 level both of which give you additional content uh, early access to this podcast and other podcasts Um, uh, I don't actually have the ability to see all the people who, who contribute so I can't do a reading of their names but I really appreciate everyone who contributes to the website keeps the doors open and the lights on for us at TBU so let's get to our listener feedback. Boy, did you get a wrong number? Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't Steph, go ahead and do the honors.
0: Uh, Andy via Discord said, Great podcast. I don't think NW or uh, Nightwing needs a solo now because it's currently garbage. I'd vote for Batgirl uh, Batgirl Nightwing team-up book with other Bat family members in it frequently. I also think one of the secret six is Batgirl. Not sure if you read Batman Beyond, but what if Batman Beyond Bruce was one of them? He acted so strange this week. However, that'll never happen because it would take communication and forethought. I also liked the greater Gotham format and discussion after my question. It was very interesting. Question for the podcast. Do you think DC's top writers' egos are hurting the overall lack of direction for DC? King, Snyder, etc. seem not to play well with others and want to do their own thing. My biggest gripe with DC right now is that it doesn't really seem like a working, cohesive universe. Let's
1: take a stab at that one. (laughs)
2: Well, I think, um, first of all, thanks for commenting. I always love answering the questions you bring to the the Discord, Andy. Um, I would agree that I think Nightwing needs a new direction. Unfortunately, Editorial is really loving this Rick direction, and I don't understand why. Um, I'm always in favor of some Bat Family team-ups. I don't see how you would do a future member of the Secret Six tying in, because that kind of locks that character in. Uh, until you have a reboot And that's kind of That's really rough On a character To, to know that their future Is going to be your evil <laughs> In terms of The cohesion I mean Today we obviously saw that We had Bruce escaping From Arkham And then Over in Detective Comics You had Damien Escaping from Arkham Clearly not at the same time Clearly with completely Different things going on I have no idea How these timelines Are supposed to connect But honestly I, I like a multiple flavors Approach to To Batman Uh, He's such a rich character. Um, I'm loving what Tom King's doing. I know a lot of people are really loving what Peter Tomasi's doing with a much more sort of straightforward Batman uh, and really sort of relishing that role um, as Tom King is really questioning that role. I think both flavors add to the universe. I think it'd be nice if they connected, but I'm not particularly bothered by it right now.
1: Mm, I'm I'm a little on the fence and I can certainly see the point. (laughs) Uh, I I think the writers today have a little bit more of a longer leash I, I, I somebody argued with me today that uh, King is merely trying to trump uh, Snyder with Snyder's run and he's trying to outdo him and we got into a nice little uh, five minute debate that turned into a half an hour <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it, it's interesting because I, I think a good creator understands that he takes the toys out of the toy box and he puts them back as he found them and he, and he is tasked with telling a good story You're going to have writers who say, well, I'm going to do something that changes the character forever. Okay, fine. But we we get into a little bit more murky waters with I think how long it takes to tell the tale. And it it really is interesting where we have media nowadays that the writers are out there and you have writers getting death threats and everything like that. And for for goodness sakes, these are just fictional characters. People don't, don't take it to heart. But with the scope of, of exposure with with the media, with the internet, with the conventions, with unprecedented scales from from where they were just a decade to two decades to even in the past. I, I do think things have gotten a little bit out of hand. I, I think uh, back in the day, I think there was a tighter rein with editorialship, keeping a tighter rein on the characters with what you can and can't do and with the length of a story, what have you. Uh it's it's a little bit out there. I, Ian, I like the way you tightened the argument uh, with respect to how they're doing it and how they create their own universes, and I think that was really well said. I do have a little bit of a problem, though, if, if it gets to be a little too long, things that are a little bit more epic in scope plausibility with, with some of the characters and let's push Batman to his breaking point. I mean, how many times have we seen that already though? It, it, it just gets to be overdone. I mean, I, I don't want to see, you know, I'm I used. i I'm going on a tangent, I'm sorry. I, that's, that's sad, I think I'll stand on my answer. I think he has a good point and I think we, we, are, we are very, very close to toying a line, but I do like what I am reading. I do get fulfillment out of both of the core Batman and Detective books. Pretty much everything I'm reading, I'm not enjoying Nightwing too much, but there it is. I think everyone has a little bit of their own story, though. Uh, here's where I'm going to go off on a tangent. Let me digress. Here's where I digress. Uh, I was in a Batman art, a role-playing game where we basically got to, if we didn't like something with respect to a story, we got to create our own story. We, if if we, 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 we could have Selina and Batman be married. If Stephanie died and we didn't like it, we could revive her. I mean, it never happened. And we created—we had our own little offshoot world where we got to do our own things. And someone would want to come in and play Joker and basically blow up Gotham City. Everybody who played Joker wanted to blow up Gotham City, wanted to have Batman paralyzed forever, and just wanted to essentially, I don't want to say quote-unquote play God, but do their own things with respect to the characters that would change them irrevocably. And, and then where would be the fun in that? You know, and just go off that. We, we had to really toe the line with respect to the characters and more or less keeping them intact, keeping them with their same voice, but we we, we, we had to uh, kind of shoo some people away that wanted to ruin or, or or take away the fundamental conception of the characters, if you will. So as long as we kind of do that and, and kind of things remain focused, we're okay. Uh, I think comics tend to be cyclical. Every time you don't like a current incarnation of a character, wait. Two to five years, you'll you'll get it'll, it'll swing back again. So there you have it. <laughs> Thank you for being well, allowing me to be long-winded. Well, I
2: think that what you're saying is is the perspective of a long-term fan. I am not nearly as as seasoned as you. I don't have the same uh, wisdom and experience in, in comics, but I've been around for over a decade, and I completely agree. Oh, I think yeah. that uh, I've said recently that Tom King's Batman is the first time I've loved. Batman the character Bruce Wayne since Chuck Dixon in the early in in the mid 90s and late 90s. Uh everyone else's Batman, Greg Rucka's, Ed Brubaker's, um, Anderson Gabrick's, Grant Morrison's and Scott Snyder's, it hasn't worked for me. I don't like their Bruce. I love Tom King's Bruce. He's a he's a broken person. He suffers. He's disciplined. He he loves, he hates. Uh, and that, that works for me on, a, on an emotional level where Bruce hasn't worked for me. But, you know, some people really hate it. They think he's weak. They think he's unmanly. Uh, they they really don't like how he seems stuck in reacting to Bane. He's, he's not taking control of the situation. And I can see that argument, um, especially after you see someone like Grant Morrison, where Batman was absolutely a commanding presence. He was able to counter people who literally buried him alive because he was so prepared um and and so again wait till the run's over and you'll have a new run and hopefully it'll be a flavor you like um <laughs> uh, I,
0: well with it being non with it sorry to interrupt but with it being non what's the word he used um cohesive uh you can have your flavor of Batman in any one of the major books because they're all completely different. the 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 Snyder Batman in uh, Justice League is different than the Batman in in tech is different than than Tom King's Batman. So you don't have to necessarily wait for the run to be over to go find a Batman you like a little better, which is a good thing if you don't like one of them, but at the same time, it gets confusing. As, as a newer fan, when it's like, wait, hold on. So if, if Damien knows this is happening in this book, but not in this book, but somehow the previous run, there was, they it's it disconnected to this book, and now it doesn't anymore, and it just, that that is getting a little frustrating. It's like the continuity within a book itself no longer makes sense, because they're picking and choosing what continuity from other books they're following. Very
2: true, and I do think that we have had... A lot of editorial turnover recently, and that's really what I blame on what's going on. I don't think that there's been an editor like Denny O'Neill who has a vision for what he wants the Bat books to be like. Uh, Mark Doyle um, worked really well with Scott Snyder, but he didn't work as well with Tom King, so he brought in Jamie Rich. But we still had Chris Conroy, who was working with James Tynan, and you just had these competing visions of what was going on in Gotham. And I think now that I think um, Jamie Rich is probably going to be in charge of all of the Bat books, we're going to start seeing that. I think we already see that with Year of the Year of the Villain. I think Year of the Villain is sort of drawing a lot of strands together. Um, but I mean, ultimately, it's going to take a little time to get every every wheel turning together again after. The last years just felt really chaotic in terms of things not not gelling together. So um, I guess we'll see. I do agree there's some ego at work. I mean, each each of these writers is what we call a superstar. Uh, they have their own fans. I just went to Awesome Con a couple of weeks ago, and they had these lines um, you know f- people waiting in hours to see them. They they have their own artistic vision and their own followings, and that can be really hard to mesh together back. Uh, but during the '90s, people were much more of like a, a TV writers' room, where they all were serving the, the larger editorial goal. Um, it's a different model, and I don't know if we're going to see it change. But um, just sort of the situation right now. Okay, Steph, what's our next comment? My
0: next comment comes from Jason. He says, "As for a Nightwing title at this time, I would prefer a Nightwing Batgirl book or a Nightwing team-up book with members of the Bat Family or Titans." example brave and the bold question for the podcast would you like a bat family title with rotating characters of the batman universe that are not being utilized in other titles i think we've talked about this before haven't we or maybe that was one of the books in your fantasy if you were a fantasy editor it was definitely one of my
2: fantasy books so my answer is pretty simple it's yes chris what do you think
1: yeah, I think my dream book would be along the lines of, well, personal fantasy. It would it would be sort of like the untold adventures with uh, Barbara and Dick meeting if, if the 70s Batman family uh, continued. I, I would certainly appreciate that. I liked the anthology book when we had uh, titles like Batman, Legends of the Dark Knight, which more or less were sort of filler stories, but every now and then they did showcase on different members of the group. I would love to see... Birds of Prey book still on uh, the shelves. I think that was a great, great team-up book with a a lot of uh, rotating characters we see pop up there. Not necessarily with respect to the core group, but we got to see a lot of uh, female characters spotlighted continuously and I thought that was really, really outstanding. Um, I'm trying to think if I'd I'd even want a villain book. I wouldn't necessarily like to see uh, oh gosh, maybe some some of the uh, B-list villains pop up more often with respect to a Batman title. And do I want a Brave and a Bold book? Gosh, yeah, I think I do. I I, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, a, a revival of that title with Batman teaming up with different characters, or maybe somebody in the Batman family teaming up with different characters. There I go, yes. I would love to see a revival of the Batman family title. So, <laughs> if, I better stop, because if I keep going, I'll just list... Uh, A dozen more titles, and I better quit while I'm ahead. So, those are, I think I shouted out about uh, four or five, and I better quit while I'm ahead.
2: Okay. Um, So, that brings us to an end of our episode. Um, Thank you all for listening. Again, our Patreon is open. Leave us comments on the Discord or on the website or on Twitter, and we'll be happy to answer. If we missed them, just ping us on the Discord or Twitter, and we'll be uh, happy to add those again. And uh, for
1: myself, this is Ian. This is Steph. And this is Chris. Thank you very much, Steph. Thank you, Ian. And thank you, Dustin, for letting me uh, virtually sit in your chair for a week. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great
2: night, everyone. And keep on listening to the Batman Universe.